This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Come on. I love it. How's everyone doing? Oh, guys, it hurts my heart when you, when you don't say it loud and proud. How's everyone doing? Oh, there we go. Some energy. Some energy in the house. My name is Harmon. I'm the uh, associate pastor here, and uh, I get the privilege of continuing our series called Missio Day. Hasn't it been so good this past couple weeks, man? I've, I've just been, um, I went back and watched all the messages just to prep for my message, because I was like, it's been so good to hear uh, from Jess and from Jackie last week. What a, what a powerful message, and, and I'm excited uh, to be here today. A couple things um, I want to talk to you about before we get there. Uh, the first thing is, is at the movies. Who's been to at the movies? Okay, a couple of you know what I'm talking about, okay? The rest of you are like, what is at the movies? Are we going to the movies? No, kind of. We are kind of going. Uh, every November at Journey Church, we do a series called at, called at the Movies. And uh, it's kind of birthed out of our lead pastor, one of our lead pastor's hearts, uh, Dave. And uh, what we love to do is to take kind of Hollywood and cinema and just see how it speaks to us. And what we found is that church is way more fun with popcorn and pop. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Come on. Like, I wish I had some popcorn right now. That'd be incredible. Our cleaners hate us for it. That's okay. That's okay. There's, there's blessing and sacrifice. Um, but we love having popcorn in here. And there's a, there's a moment that happens the first week where everyone just holds their pops. And then all of us together, we just go. And like, it roars across the auditorium. And it's like the best Coca-Cola. Terrible for your body, but it's fun. And so, but what I want to let you know about is we've, uh, out in the uh, foyer, you might have noticed we have these door hangers called At The Movies, and they've got these tearaways at the bottom, and we're doing something called the Take 10 Challenge. Turn to your neighbor and say, take 10. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I might take nine. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, that was a bad joke. Um, but what we're doing with these is what we want you to do is to take 10 of these and put them on your neighbor's doors. You're like, Harmon, how could you make me do this. Um, I don't like going to people's doors, da, 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 da. But this is just one easy way uh, just to invite somebody out for At The Movies. I actually met someone last year uh, who got saved from At The Movies. Um, they got a little door hanger. They came to our church, and they got saved. Like It's like the tiniest, smallest way that we can just make an impact on our community. And so what I want you to do is to take 10 of these and go three doors to your right, Put it on their door, okay? Do it like, um, like when they're at work or like when they're not around. They can avoid them. That's the best time to do it. Unless you really like meeting people, then do it like right at like dinner time. Maybe they'll invite you in. Maybe you'll get some nice food out of it. Anyways, then go to your left and, and go to the three houses to your left and then go across the street uh, and go to the houses across the street, four houses across the street. Um, or if you want to just invite someone personally, you can just rip off the bottom and just give them a ticket and just invite them that way if it's a little bit more, you know, someone from work or, or something like that. But we want to do that, and so I'd love for you this uh, at the end of the service. If you, when you head out on your right, there's a little booth, um, little table. Grab ten, take them. We want to see people come out to this. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but church has been packed a little bit. Has anyone noticed that? Okay, some of you guys are like, yo, it's it's getting a little packed. Um, you know, and I was reminded of this. Um, I was at my um, at our house, and my dad was having some of his uh, friends over at the house, and. Um, it just kind of got me reminded, he reminded me of just like how to be hospitable. 
And my dad, he made all of us kids move our cars out of the driveway onto the street because we had guests coming over. You know, he made us stand at the front door when we opened the door and said, you're going to greet everyone. And then for the rest of the night, I was like a waiter, okay? The guys went upstairs, all right? They were... um, I won't go into what they were doing, but uh, they were drinking. And uh, my, my job, okay, the pastor, my job assigned by my dad was to make sure everyone had a drink. And I wasn't drinking, okay, I'm just letting you know. Just, okay, I was just serving the alcohol like Jesus did. He did that in the Bible. I just want to clear this up. I feel like there's tension in the room, okay? And he's like, I want, if, if someone needs ice, you're going to get it. If someone needs food. So I'm just running up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs, over and over again, just like, can I get you something? Do you need something? And uh, anyways, we'll talk about issues in our culture later. But um, I, I, I was glad to serve. But what I want to say to you is, uh, you know, last week we realized was our biggest Sunday that we've had, I think, since COVID, which is wild. That's exciting, right? Our church is growing. Um, and what that means, for those of us who call this place our house, uh, we got to get prepared for our guests. And so I'm going to ask something of you guys, is that if you call this place home, just to kind of tune your ears and your eyes to when someone new is here. Uh, one easy way, and a couple easy ways I want to let you know about, is uh, we're going to call it move on in and move on up. Okay, these front rows, okay, there's a reason nobody sits here. <laughs> They don't want to be seen. Um, But when someone new walks in the door and and it's hard to find a seat, they don't want to sit here either, right? So one thing that we can do is just super simple, just move on up, all right? Just not right now. Just move on up, you know, when you come to church. Move on in. Make some space. If you, um, you know, the lower bowl is the prime seating, you know, my dad would make sure that every guest is sitting at each seat of the sofa. And if I have to sit on the ground, I'm sitting on the ground. It doesn't matter. That was just the hospitality of my, my family. And I think that's the heart that we want to have as a church is that we want to be hospitable. And so if you can move up, that'd be great. You know, the parking lot, you know how crazy it gets. But did you know we've got that whole other parking lot at the LRT for free on Sundays? And so you could park there and just walk over and just, let's just make some room for people who are coming to church for the first time. Can we do that? All right, I'm done. I'm done my advertisements. Time to get to preaching. Let's go. Um, No, I'm so excited that uh, we get to be here today. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of worried about today's message, and I don't know if you're like me, the last few weeks, it just feels like in our world, it's just been crazy. Can we just say that? Just crazy? Um, we have pre-service prayer here at 9.30 every Sunday. I want to invite you to that. You should, I keep inviting you to all these things, but pre-service prayer is a great, and, and in there, we've been praying for the, the Middle East, and um, we haven't necessarily addressed it from stage, and I wanted to take a moment to do that. And, If I'm being honest, I don't know how to address it. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know how to address it. I, uh, I was watching SNL, which I don't recommend, and um, <laughs> Pete Davidson was uh, sharing about what's happening in the Middle East, and if you know his story a little bit, uh, his dad was killed in 9-11. And so he's sharing that, and he's just sharing basically a call to just like, you know, let's think and pray for people. Let's, let's, let's gather people. Let's... Let's, let's, let's not hate. Let's show love. That's kind of what his message was. And I went to the comments of the, of the video, and the first comment was, uh, it's not enough to not choose a side. This isn't it, Pete. That was the top comment. <laughs> and I feel like our world constantly wants us to choose sides. You know, I talked about me and Abel and the things that were happening in India, and they want us to choose a side. And I, and I think about what's happening in the Middle East, and you've got to choose a side. And I don't know about you, but I'm just on the side of no babies dying. I'm on the side of 
no death. I'm on the side of let's show love to people. Regardless of what your background is, I've got Muslim friends who, who are on 32nd protesting. I've got Jewish friends who just don't know. They're just hurt. Just hurt everywhere. Hurt people, hurt people. And what I know about us as Christians is we don't take sides. No, no, no. We, we're peacemakers. And so we go into these situations and we speak peace. And so that's what I want to do. And I want to pray for that. Can we do that as a church today? We just pray peace into the Middle East. That wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it sounds cool now. Peace in the Middle East. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. That, uh, that we're not, we're safe. We're in a place right now, like someone mentioned during pre-service, that we're not getting bombed. We get to come here freely. And God, we just pray for peace. We don't want to see any more videos or photos of little babies hurt. We just pray your peace. God, that people who are, who are standing against each other, you know, I think of Philemon and, and that whole story and how, how they came back together as brothers. God, we pray that over those nations now. We pray peace in the Middle East. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. I hope that was okay. I'm sure I offended somebody. You can email Pastor Jess. Don't email me. Um, but you know, our motto at our church here is uh, encountering God, embracing people. We believe that. And you might think, oh, that's really creative, Harmon. It's really creative. It's actually not that creative. We actually stole it from a verse in the Bible. Um, and it's the two greatest commandments. And we're going to look at those commandments today. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. It'll be up on the screen for you. And this is... Uh, what it says. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This is, uh, they're asking Jesus this question, just to clue you in here. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You know, what he's asking is, what does it look like to follow you, Jesus? What's the great commandment? What's the thing that I got to do to get in? What's the thing that I got to do to be with you? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do me a favor and highlight this next part. Verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. See, what Jesus was doing was uh, the Bible, okay, if you don't know this, if you're new to church, the Bible is split into two, kind of two halves. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what they're asking him is about that Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible. And they're saying, hey, what's, there's, there's a bunch of rules in there. What's the rules that I got to follow? And Jesus, I love this, he says, you know what, I can sum up the whole thing with just these two commands, that you would love the Lord your God, that you would love others, that you'd love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you want to summarize the thrust of the law and the prophets, what does Jesus say? That you would love your God with all of you. Think about what that does. You know, if you're a type A moralist, this completely destroys your ability to stand above anyone else. You know, and if you're a jaded, broken person, if you have a sketchy past like me, then there's a seat for you at the table. It speaks to both people. Both people. So do you hear that? 
See, like, we couldn't preach this as good news without passages like this. See, imagine when he asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And if, if, imagine Jesus answered, well, obviously, it's, it's the Ten Commandments. Those are pretty great, right? The Ten Commandments of Moses. But they all leave you condemned. Those Ten Commandments leave you condemned. And so this is just a, a side note. Okay, I just want you to, just, just to get this little picture. See, when God gave his law in the Old Testament at Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. And then at Pentecost in the New Testament, when the Spirit falls, what happens? 3,000 people are saved. That's our God. That's our God. He's a God who saves. And so, you know, he doesn't give you the Ten Commandments and say, you know, go have fun. No, 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 no. You know, and maybe, you're, maybe you're a little bit of an overachiever. Maybe you feel exhausted trying to earn the love of God. And this is Christ comforting you. This is Christ comforting you. You've made a mess of things. I'm being real. Just like a mess. Maybe your life just looks like a mess. Maybe you can't even believe the things that have happened to you. Maybe even some of the things that you've done. Maybe you hate yourself. Isn't this good news? What does it all mean? See, we can simplify this question with one statement, one question. It's on the screen here. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? I often think this can be a, a difficult question for us to answer. Um, a couple years ago, I was reading Luke uh, 15, um, and I noticed there's a story of the prodigal son. If you don't know the story, there's two sons. One's, let's just, you know, for t the sake of time, one's a good son. One's not such a great son. You know, one son is in the fields working for his dad, working hard. The other son is just like off at parties, getting drunk, getting crazy. And uh, that, that crazy son ends up asking for his inheritance early and leaving. And I'm reading this, and there's a moment in the story, and it's called the prodigal son, the son who, who left the house, who had just destroyed his life, who had ruined the name of his dad, he comes back. And what is the father's response? The father's response when he hears that he's coming, he doesn't care about the money that he's lost. He doesn't care about all the things that have gone wrong, how his name is in the dirt. He runs out and he grabs his son. He hugs him. But what he didn't realize was that his older son was watching. And he's coming back and he's seeing this party that's happening that the younger son is, is back. And he's just so mad. He's just so upset. He's like, I'm the one who's been here. I'm the one who's been working hard when this brother of mine was gone. And you embrace him like this? What about me? And the father doesn't look at his son Either of his sons and says, get out, I'm disowning you for the way you think or the way you are. No, he, he embraces them. He, he implores. The language in the Bible is that he actually is begging. He's begging his oldest son, come back in. Come into the party. Because this is for you too. This is for you too. It's for you who stayed in the house and have grown up in the house, but it's also for those who left, who, who don't look like the right way of doing things. And I often feel like the way God has called me is as a prodigal son. I feel that. I, I feel like I was lost and I was, now I'm found. I got brought back into the house. 
and I've returned home. And often I feel like my call is to actually help those of us who are like older brothers. Those of us who've grown up in church. See, some of you, you've gone to church a long time. Okay, your grandparents were Christians. Your parents were Christians. You're a Christian. And you've been coming to church because that's what you do. Sunday morning, you come to church. Church, church. We go to church. And that's what you do. And that's good. I'm not, I'm not dissing that at all. But I feel like there's some of us who could identify with the older brother. Who I've been here. I've been faithful. I've, I've been serving. So what's, what's my reward? What, what do I get? And so there might be some of you in here who think that you're Christian because you were born into a Christian family. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. You're not just the religion that you were born in. If that was true, I'd be a Sikh still. No, that you yourself have to become a son or daughter of God. Now, you might have good influences. Like, I'm thankful that, that my son gets to grow up in a, a Christian home, that his parents are Christians. And I'm still learning how to do that. I don't really know how to do that. Like, I know some of you guys grew up, like, singing songs and, like, Father Abraham had many sons. I had to learn that song for this moment right now. I don't actually know it. That's all I know. But see, you're laughing because you know it, right? You grew up on some of these songs, and, and I didn't. And, and I got to learn them later on. But, but there's something special about that, right? There's something special about growing up in, in God's house. But what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Like, literally, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means that you would... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And I, I just have a question. How many of us are nailing this right now? You know, there, shouldn't, there shouldn't really be a hand up. But that's what's beautiful about our God and our moments of conversion. That this is a lifelong expanding adventure of growing our affection of Christ. See, I have an ever-increasing affection for Jesus. And listen, I have some highs and lows. There's days my life sucks. But, but there's a longing inside. There's an affection for Christ. See, I've been there. Like, um, if you've ever read the Old Testament, there's a guy named David. Maybe you've heard, like, David and Goliath. You've heard that name before. Um, and there's moments where David has, like, real low lows. You know, and he's going, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? I need you. And there's these moments, David is so low. And so if that's you, if, if you find yourself shaking your fist in the air, maybe not cursing God, but close, you're in good company. See, the Bible is filled with people who get frustrated at God, who go, God, why are you doing this? Why is my life like this? That just, that just means you're in good company. There's lots of people throughout the Bible who've struggled with their walk with God. And that's not wrong. See, sometimes salvation looks like a desperate cry to have the joy of your salvation restored. I know I'm using a lot of churchy words today. I apologize. You know, I know it's a little bit salvation. What does that even mean? But sometimes salvation looks like angsty pain. Sometimes your walk with faith looks like pain. And see, this is when David says, you know, like a deer pants for water, 
God, I, I pant for you. My soul pants for you. I thirst for you. I hunger for you like a dry and weary land. So if you're there today, I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm saying that struggle actually shows that you are. And that the daylight is coming. That the victory is on the way. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you, let someone know. If you're going through a hard season, don't keep it to yourself. Let somebody know. you got to be honest. Listen, you're joining the great chorus of saints who've said before you, God, where are you? And you know, they've refused to play the game of, I'm great. You know, when, you, when you're talking to people at church, how you doing? I'm great. Are you? Are you great? If you're great, that's awesome. I'm, I want to celebrate with you. If your life is awesome, let's celebrate. But are you really? Or is that just what we say? I'm great. I'm great. And this never lands well, but I have to say it to you. I just have a conviction that I have to. That if you have no affection for God at all, that if you have no desire to follow him, no willingness to submit to him, no zeal to grow in your love for him. And this is hard. Look at me. Just look at me real quick. This is hard. You are not a Christian. You're not. If you have no affection in your heart for God or for Jesus, no desire to follow him, there's no way in biblical categories that you could classify yourself as a Christian that has no affection for God, no real willingness to follow him. That doesn't exist biblically. It's a made-up idea that makes you comfortable in a passive disobedience by not being obedient at all. So again, I know this land's weird. How dare you? You don't know my life. You don't know me. How can you say that from the stage? I don't need to know you. I know the book. The book shows us this is how humans are. And what marks us as Christians is that, is that the Spirit of God dwells in, us, dwells in us. That we have a new heart. This is Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. Take a look at the screen. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Jeremiah the prophet also repeats this in Jeremiah 31. I will write it on your hearts. Listen. No new heart equals no salvation. No new heart equals no salvation. That kind of easy belief that passes for Christianity in North America is soul-stealing to you. It messes with the witness of the church. It robs God of his right glory as he works in and through his people. And ultimately, it makes you believe that you are something that you are not. So then it makes sense why we don't experience breakthroughs, why we don't continue to grow in our affections for Jesus, because we never actually were given a new heart. You're just trying to be a good person. Listen, I so appreciate that you're trying to be a good person. 
I can listen to your conservative cares. I can look at the world with you and say, man, it's a train wreck. Listen, I love you. But none of that makes you a Christian. But like I said, struggle is sometimes the evidence of faith. So I'm asking you, I know it's real quiet in here. I can feel it. Ooh, why is it every time I preach, everyone gets quiet? Just kidding. So I'm asking you, how's it going? What are you feeling in your life that's stirring your affections for Jesus? See, this is your birthright. Jackie Tall talked about it last week. You know, the Imago Dei, the image of God, is placed on every heart, every human heart. And through Jesus, you gain access to your birthright, to have communion with God. That affection for Jesus, he purchased it. He gave you the ability to know God. So listen, God's vision for your life is not church attendance and moral betterment. That sounds so boring. That sounds really boring. Hang out with weird people and try to be good? I'm good. I, that's, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about someone very specific who's not in this room. I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> but that's, that's not what this is about. I'm not trying to just make you into better people. Make sure that you come to church at least two times out of the month so we can check off that we have people who come to our church. Who cares? Who cares? I don't. What matters is that your life is changed. What matters is that your heart is transformed. What matters is that you get to walk in new life. Who wants to just attend church for the sake of attending church? There's way funner places to be on a Sunday. Not actually true. I'm just kidding. But, but, but if you're only going for the sake of going, then yeah, there are more fun places to be. But when your heart becomes transformed, when you get to see Jesus moving in your life, when you get to worship God with his church, man, there's no better place to be than in this room. Amen? And so the goal is bigger, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strengths. I've got one sentence that dictates my life. I'm giving my heart over to Jesus. I'm giving my heart over to Jesus so that I can be fully alive for him. See, the truth is I'm a better son because I'm a Christian. I'm a better father because I'm a Christian. I'm a better friend because I'm a Christian. Not because of what I do, because of who he is. Because he makes me better. I didn't, I, I don't, I'm not saying that I'm above. No, no, no. I'm the lowest of the low. I'm at the feet of Jesus, saying, God, can you just make me better? God, help me not to sin. God, help me love people well. That's our posture. So this is the indicative, and it leads us to the imperative. See, the indicative is who we are. This is how we are growing. We're feeding our affection for Jesus. We're encouraging prayer and worshiping, speaking life to each other to this end. And this is where Apostle Paul would say, it's the love of Christ that compels us. So this is the indicative, and it leads us to the imperative. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, 
is uh, where I'm going to go next. And uh, I'm going to be shorter on this because I believe that if we get the first part right, the second part's easy. If, if you get that, man, I need a new heart, I need a new heart. Like Ezekiel, I need to trade my heart of stone for a heart of flesh. This second part becomes way, way easier. You know, and, and there's been something that has been um, stirring in my heart. And I stumbled upon this um, Instagram video um, where folks were asked a seemingly simple question. Uh, when has someone ever shared the gospel with you? It's really quick. It's about 10 seconds. Can we just play that real quick? with you no never not even once never? nope okay has anyone ever shared the gospel with you uh no i don't no i don't think so i, ha I haven't had one share with me but i've tried to share it with others no no i have i don't think i've ever had that happen or maybe actually. i was extremely young what is kind of your understanding of the gospel of since i guess no one has ever really kind of shared it with you no i wouldn't say i haven't ever seen it because i've never read it or been introduced to it, I guess. That's a, a short video, and uh, I was uh, just watching this, and uh, I couldn't scroll past it. I just kept watching it over and over and over again. And God began to break my heart for the people in this video. I don't even know where they're from. But at the end, when, when that kid says, no, I, I, I don't know the gospel. No one's ever shared the gospel with me. That broke my heart. It broke my heart because I've experienced Jesus. I know his goodness. My affection for him is growing. But there's people who don't know that. There's people who don't know the affection they can have towards Jesus and that really he has towards us. When I um, got saved, I, uh, I shared with you guys, I grew up in a Sikh home and um, about a month after I got saved, oh, you're here early, I like it. This is good music for this story. Um, not actually, can you come back in like two minutes? Thanks, man, appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's gone. He's gone. He's just early. It's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just like, where is the music coming from? That was so funny. Um, anyways, a month after I got saved, I took a trip to uh, India. And so listen to me. I'm a baby Christian, okay? No one else in my family is a Christian. I just started to read my Bible. And so I, I got saved in November 17, 2007. And then December 2007, I went to India. Okay? And it's, it's different, Okay? I'm banned from going there right now, um, not because of any reason. It's just because I don't have a visa and I can't apply for visas. I'm not, like, banned from the country or anything. I just wanted to make that clear. Um, and you, like, get off the plane, and all of a sudden, you just, you open, they open the plane doors, and you just see the smell. You're like, whoa, this heat, humid, the smell is just so different. I remember my, some of my first experiences in India were at the Delhi airport, and there's this long tunnel that leads to the parkade where they were going to pick us up, my family. And as we're walking, this entire tunnel is just lined with beggars, lined with beggars. And I remember I'm walking, 13 years old, I'm walking with my mom, and just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe um, the amount of poverty 
Like, when you go to different places, and if you're well-traveled, you'll see poverty is different in different places. Uh, the poverty we have here, it, it's a little more hidden, but it's here, right? Uh, there, there's nowhere to hide. Poverty is everywhere. And so I remember I'm walking in this, this man, he had his, he had, his leg had been cut off, and uh, he's holding about probably about a six-month-old baby girl, and he's trying to sell her to my mom. And he's saying, just give me some money. Please, just give me some money, and you can have my daughter. You can have her. And I remember that was one of my first experiences in India, uh, just going, what? And, I, and we just said, no, we don't need your daughter. Just, we, we'll give you money. Please, just, like, we didn't know what to do. We're just trying to get to our car. So we walk. We end up into the parking lot. And for some reason, someone in my family, there's a miscommunication. They thought that we were coming at 6 p.m. We actually arrived at 6 a.m. So we spent 12 hours standing in a parking lot because my dad refused to pay for like any type of a hotel or leaving it. And he's like, nope, we've spent enough money to get here. We're waiting in the parking lot. Anyways, sorry, Dad. Um, and so we just waited for 12 hours. But on that trip, I got to spend a lot of time with my family. And one of the things that I got to do is I would go and serve um, at the Gurdwara, which is the, the Sikh temple um, in, in, uh, in India. And with my grandpa, okay? My grandpa's got a turban, long beard. He wears shades all the time. Looks like, looks like he be, should be driving a Harley, but he, he doesn't. He's just like 87 years old. Anyways, um, and my grandpa and me are serving at the temple. And it's not like serving here, okay? Here you get to play a nice guitar, get to be behind a camera, you know, get to hand out nice cards uh, for at the movies, um, or help out with kids. And there's some, there's some hard jobs, don't get me wrong. But serving there looked a little bit different. They gave you a bucket with uh, just regular water, no soap, and a dirty cloth to clean the dirty floor. And I remember I'm just on my knees, just cleaning the floor, just doing this, and, I, and I, it's just, I'm just spreading dirt around because it's a dirty cloth. And I'm like, it's not going to get clean. And they didn't believe me. Anyways, I digress. And uh, so I'm just cleaning, and all of a sudden I start to hear this commotion. And, I, and, and uh, the babas, they're, they're saying, oh, there's someone at the gate. Block them at the gate. And I'm like, what, what is, what, what's going on? What's going on? And, um, and I hear someone say, it's a ghost. He's possessed. It's a ghost. And uh, so I, I walk over towards this scene, and they've blockaded the front of the entrance to the Sikh temple. And there's this guy there, and he is just off. Like, he is just going crazy. He is screaming, ah! And he's just screaming, and he's spinning, and he's just trying to, like, hurt people. He's punching things. And I remember I'm 13 years old. Now, listen, I know you're like, what kind of church did I just walk into? This is getting weird. I'm 13 years old. I don't know anything about the Bible. I grew up as a Sikh. I saw some of this stuff when I was younger. But I have no concept of this, okay? All I remember is my pastor, Ken, told me that we should pray in the name of Jesus. And so I make my way to the front of the crowd, and I just... I don't know why, so we did a church. I stuck my hand out, and I said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And he stopped. Listen, I don't, I don't know how this works, okay? But, but that day, I learned something truly powerful. It was that the name of Jesus had power. And that shaped the rest of my faith. And so, I don't, I'm going to lose some people here, but... They're, basically, I do that, and everybody steps back, and they're looking at me, and they're like, whose kid is this? And my grandpa, I've never seen my grandpa move so fast. He grabs me and just books it home. We're going home, and we just left. 
Never, I never went back to that place. And it was just like, my grandpa's like, what are you, what are you doing? They're thinking you're like some king of demons. And it, you know, it sounds cool in anime, but like in real life, it's not cool. Okay? Like, it, it, was, it was wild. But on that trip, I began to just realize, no, Jesus has power that, that I didn't realize that he had. I knew that he was real. I knew that God was real, that, that I experienced him in some way. But that moment, man, that shaped my faith. That's why I believe in prayer. That's why I believe when we say things in the name of Jesus that they might actually change. Because I've seen it. I've seen it. And that's why, for me, sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus is so, so important. I remember uh, the, the old... I'm going to be a little bit longer, Abel, so come back in another three minutes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I remember I was at the village... And uh, all the elders kind of gathered under the tree where there was shade. And I remember I, this, was, this was like total selfish ambition. I would like read words that Jesus had like said or the Bible said. And then I would run to the old, like old babas. They're like 80, 90 years old. And I would repeat the words of Jesus. And they'd be like, how is this kid so wise? And I remember I was just eating it up. I was like, yeah, I'm so wise. Like, and uh, I'm like, I'm so wise. You don't even. And, but, so I, obviously there was a little bit of selfish ambition in there. But I was just. I was realizing there was truth in these words, right? Even if it was for the wrong reasons, there was truth in these, in these words. And later on, I got discipled. I learned what it meant to, to teach, you know? And it's not about us. That's the truth. It's not about us. But in that moment, I was making it about me. And then I remember reading this passage, the Great Commission. And this is what it says. It says, then the 11 disciples, these are Jesus' last words, some of his last words, super important. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, I came across this stat. I'm going to wrap up here, but from Barna. And uh, it said that 50% of Christian millennials think it is wrong to evangelize. That, like, took me back. They think it's wrong to evangelize. And I just was confused. And I get it. Listen, I've been where you are. You know, someone asked, hey, what'd you do on the weekend? And you try to avoid saying church as much as you possibly can. Right? Oh, yeah, we hung out with the family. Did you do anything? Yeah, we just hung out. It's a good weekend. And we avoid that question like a plague. We don't want people to know that we go to church, that we're Christians. And I, and I really think it's because we've forgotten our affection for Christ. See, it is offensive to me for people to say that there is no difference between religions. Because I've been too. And there is a stark difference. Christianity is like no other religion. Every other religion is reaching up to God, trying to get his approval, whether through good works, whatever ways. Christianity is the only religion that reaches down and says, you can't fix yourself, quit trying. I'm going to fix you. 
there's a difference. I know it's not popular to say. I know, I know you're not going to retweet this or share this link. But there is a difference. And so if you and I have a growing affection for Jesus, and that happens over a period of t- time, we begin to be conformed into the image of Christ. We begin to love what he loves, and we begin to hate what he hates. And the silver bullet for your addictions, your apathy, your boredom, is affection for Christ. And that starts now and continues for eternity. So if you're bored as a Christian, maybe, maybe you're like, that's me. You know, you, you like God, you go to church, but you're bored. Then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. The first time you ever share the gospel with someone who doesn't know it, you watch what happens. Regardless if that person repents and believes, or if you just had, finally had the courage to be able to share and do it, watch what happens to you. It's like you begin to glow. You finally see a breakthrough. Maybe you've been praying for something and God answers. It just changes you. And those little steps of faith, they're like gasoline on the fire that is your soul. And it begins to spread everywhere. You're filled with joy and passion. And my guess is that you've had some highs and lows in your walk with God. There's days that you feel numb, and there's days that you feel like on fire. That's a good thing. Because that means that there's a deep desire within you to want more. And I don't know, I don't, I don't want to feel numb and cold. But sometimes that can be the evidence of salvation, that you're longing for more, that you want more. And I want to say, that if you have that in you, if there's days that I just feel like, oh man, that was a rough day. I didn't pray. I didn't think about God. I don't want you to feel dejected. I want you to realize that's the, that's the thing inside of you that's yearning for more, more affection for Christ. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, it's been a brutal year. How are you doing? How's your heart? How's your commitment to Christ? How's your affection for Jesus? I think you need to ask yourself that question. See that that verse in Ezekiel, it's kind of like an MRI. A verse in Matthew as well. You know, God, am I loving you with all that I am? With all my strength, with all my mind, with all my heart? Am I doing that? Am I doing that? It's just an MRI of our hearts. And and I'm not, I don't want this to be an emotional moment. There's some, there's a nice piano playing, but that's not the point. I'm going to keep bugging you. You're going to kill me this week, I know. It's not an emotional moment. No, no, it's saying, no, no, I'm going to take a step of faith and say, God, I know you're real and I need you to change me. I need to grow in my affection for you, Jesus, so that I can see people come to know you, so that I can be changed, so I can grow. Listen, some of you are perfectly fine with Jesus being your Savior, 
but you have no intention to submit to him as king. That is, that is nowhere to be found in here. Nowhere. If you're a Christian, you submit to him. You submit to his words. Don't tell me that you know him up here if you don't know him here. You've got to know his word. Learn his word. Begin to grow in your affection for Jesus. Have him give you a heart of flesh and take your heart of stone. And so Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for this reminder that our first call is to love you. Our first call is to know you. Jesus, I don't want to be one of those at the end that you look at and say, get away from me, I never knew you. No, God, I, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to be changed by you. Because all of those things, you make me a better dad. You make me a better son. You make me a better person when I'm committed and submitted to you, Lord Jesus. And so God, I pray that you would help us do that today. That you'd help us make you the priority, the first. That our affection would grow for you. Even if we feel numb and cold, there's always an opportunity to take a step towards you. So, Jesus, thank you for making a way. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you change lives, that you bring peace, that you are transformative, that I'm not just going to church for a good attendance record. No, I'm going because I need it, because I need to be in your presence. And so we thank you for today. We seal everything today, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.